Shall we begin? Let's begin now. On this week's No Account for Taste, we're going to turn those self-assessment frowns Upside down, yes. Hello, I'm Richard Hatsley and welcome to the first No Account for Taste of 2020. And we're sorry to break the bad news, but January is here once again, which means accountants across the country are listening to this while chasing those clients and working late into the night. But don't worry, No Account for Taste is here to brighten up your January. And that's because our guest here today is someone who feels your pain. Someone who has gone through many tax return seasons herself. Yes, we're joined by a friend of the podcast. We're joined by the former practice owner, Della Hudson. Hello, Richard. Hi, Della. Thanks for coming to the podcast today. And we're also joined by our editor, Tom Herbert. Hey, Richard. Uh, Well, thanks very much. And Della, we mentioned there tax return season. So how many tax return seasons did you actually go through? You just made me count it up and I've already forgotten. Was it seven or eight? Well, <laughs> Put me on the spot. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think you said around about eight, eight, which is enough for anyone, I think, eight tax return seasons. So out of all of them, can you remember which one was your worst? Uh, one of my skills is just organising, or shall we say nagging. So our worst tax return season, we had everything submitted by the 24th of January. Gosh, that must have been very stressful <laughs> for you to with those extra few days to sit back and relax whilst everyone else was still uh, working senseless to hit that deadline. I know, it's it's really hard and we would have our, our delayed Christmas party it would actually be a tax return party in the last weekend of January. I can't think nothing of nothing better than a delayed tax return party uh, to, to finish that season. So what was your best then? Uh, my best was the year I sold the business. We finished everything on the 7th of January. Oh, very good. Um, did you, for the Christmas party, did you sort of bring in sort of Tesco carrier bags full of, uh, you know, uh, mince pies instead of uh, tax receipts or uh, you know, things like that? Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. No, we, we used to go to um, usually one of the restaurants that, that used to be down, around the corner from here. Mm. It's now uh, sold up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, I, I think we drank them out of Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> well, here in No Account for Taste podcast, we don't want to dwell too much on the negative of tax return season. Oh, no. Yeah, surely you, dear listener, don't need us to remind you about the stresses that January brings. So instead, we're going to focus on the positives. Hang on, don't stop there. Don't press stop. We are actually going to focus on the positives. We're serious now. So hopefully we can, as we mentioned at the top of the, of the show, turn those self-assessment frowns upside down. Um, so in order to do this, we know that self-assessment season is a bit of a headache. But believe us, you can use it for a force of good. Isn't that right, Della? Absolutely. So first things first, are we mad? Can we actually use it for a sense of, is there actually anything good to come out of self-assessment season other than the stress, other than just the amount of work that you get through and knowing that you've been kind of productive? The, the most stressful thing for me used to be, had we missed a tax return? So that's why we put systems in place to make sure that we could track all our deadlines, all our clients were set up on there, 
their tax returns were set up so we could see where they were at the push of a button. I remember the days when I used to be checking through every single system just to make sure that we hadn't missed anyone. But there's certainly something there where when you're under pressure, there's nothing, there's nothing better than pressure in order to make you, force you to innovate and force you to change your practices as well. Absolutely. I think one of the big one of the big things we're seeing this year is a massive push around workflows and I think people are recognizing that the next batch of MTD regulations coming down the pipeline whether it's next year or probably the year after that, that, that that's going to be around the self-assessment that in, you know you've got this main deadline but you're going to have four check-in points as well and therefore you are going to have to get your systems in order um, it's not going to be just chasing a client once a year. It's, you're going to have to get sort of information five times a year, pretty much. So unless you've got your systems nailed, then it's going to be infinitely harder, I think. So we are seeing a massive uptick in traffic and interest and posts on the forum around uh, systemization, workflow, everything like this. And, and people who perhaps weren't quite as organized as, as before are going to have to be a little bit more organized, perhaps. What I want to know, though, is if it's five times a year, Della, would have you had five times of those post-tax season parties? <laughs> now there's a good excuse. <laughs> You'll be just waiting for those submission dates. Oh, it's another party time, yeah. Before, before you I know get... me too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before I get a phone call from HMRC press office, I, I'm not saying there's five tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, might not call them tax returns, no, no, but... They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, other than that, we know clients can be just complete headaches, well, some of them anyway, uh, when it comes to trying to wrangle some um, information out of them. But Dali, you were mentioning before we hit record about how this actually could be a good opportunity for you to just pick out those troublesome clients and maybe categorize them a bit throughout January. Yeah, when we used to sit down in, in February, we would have a, a list of clients who hadn't submitted things until January or who'd just been generally a pain. I mean, anybody who was a real pain, we would part company with them straight away. But there, there's those who were you know, a pain, but they pay their bills. So we, we would come up with a list, and that wasn't just me, it was the whole team, because sometimes there were clients who were absolutely lovely to me, but not so great with the team. So we'd come up with that list and then decide, could we improve them? Could we um, do what they needed, you know, take more work in-house and do their bookkeeping for them? Or did we just need to part company? So just because they're on the D list doesn't mean they're out of the door. There are other ways to deal with it. They certainly need a pretty good review. And um, did you put any sort of measures in throughout... um throughout the season in order to make sure that they hit that particular deadline? Did you um, increase the fee if they were getting uh, nearer to your preset deadline of, um, was it the 31st of December? Uh, we, we actually told the clients that if the work wasn't in to us by the 31st of October, we couldn't be confident of getting everything done by the end of January. So we used to use our workflow system it depends whether you want to send automatic emails directly from the system or you can use that to remind you and pick up the phone. So 
use it as a reminder either directly for the client or via you. So but just because you can automate doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I yeah. suppose it depends on the client, doesn't Absolutely, it? You know, if yeah. they're uh, if they only check their emails once a week or something, then that might not be necessarily the tool for them. If they're if they're a, a more of a sort of people person or a phone call person, but yeah, I know plenty of people who would much prefer to get an email. So yeah, it's it's sort of horses for courses, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, so we, we'd usually send the, the first email around about um, the end of April, which would get in about half the work. Another one, June, July time, which would get us in a batch before we, we all, most of us had children, so we didn't want to be busy in the summer holidays. And then we'd send another third reminder, September. And then the final one, beginning of October, would be... Well, I say the final one, the final official one, because we did keep chasing them after that. But I relaxed after the 31st of October. It was their problem, not mine. I'm, I'm an accountant. I'm not a nanny. <laughs> well, we know that self-assessment season is great. It's an opportunity just to get rid of clients. That, who, If you need a perfect excuse to get rid of clients, self-assessment season is there for you there. But if you don't want to get rid of clients, if you want to gain more clients, self-assessment season also is a good opportunity to... Um, uh, fish out some of those who's lurking around with their shoebox full of receipts, hanging outside your office door, um, looking a bit sorry for themselves. Is, is that something you would advise, Della, picking up some, um, some of these last-minute um, people? It depends why they're turning up in January, to be honest. If they're just completely chaotic and will continue to be chaotic then I'm afraid they they wouldn't have been suitable clients for us and sorry to the accountants out there who ended up with those ones we rejected um if there's a reason we took on a chap he'd been treated for cancer throughout most of the year he came in he apologized it was so late he said he understood that we probably couldn't get it in on time um, but we pulled out all the stops and we did get it in on time with a, with a couple of days to spare. So everything turned out well in the end and every year after that was no problem. So it, it's, it's, it's finding out why they've got into that state. New business owners who didn't really understand because they didn't have an accountant or they were let down by their accountant. It was certainly a topic on any answers over the last couple of days anyway, because we had uh, a, a reader come on um, thinking whether they sh- considering whether they should offer a discounted tax return uh, se- last minute service. Uh, they, they thought they could churn out perhaps 10 or 15 towards the end of January, at like a, a discounted price. Um, they thought a good good opportunity to pick up some clients to launch their own firm. They were thinking about dipping their toe in. And similar to your advice there, Adela, a lot of the uh, accounting web readers, accounting web community came out in force um, and suggested that perhaps this person should not uh, pick up the undesirables, as was uh, mentioned. Uh, Penelope Pitstop, who I remember one tax one tax return season, may have been last year, had quite a terrible time. And I think this is reflected in their response where they said... Um, uh, you will literally attract clients who would turn up on a doorstep at 10 p.m. on 31st of January, wanting you to move heaven and earth to get us their simple job finished before midnight. You will end up filing unsigned tax returns illegally because you feel compelled to by your lack of foresight. So I, I guess that person was uh, told right there that perhaps might not be a good idea, but 
I don't know. If, if, if you're looking for an opportunity to expand your client base, you may strike gold and pick up uh, one or two good clients. You never know. Yeah, I think, if, I, think, I think Dallas hit the nail on the head there. If you're super organized, you can pick and choose, can't you? And, uh, you know, there may well be great opportunities for picking up fantastic new clients. But, you know, if, if, if you're able to get your head out of the tax returns and have a proper look at what's coming over the hill, then great but if you're just taking on literally anyone as part of a sort of last minute tax return service then that does seem like uh, you're making a rod for your own back I think and offering a discount as well (laughs) (laughs) surely it's time to jack up the prices chaps yeah yes yes most most firms who are taking them on are are charging a premium (laughs) come on in make yourself comfortable you want a coffee what do you want yeah (laughs) I can can clean your house as well Uh, speaking of being super organized Della we're coming up as everyone knows, we mentioned at the beginning, it's January now, which means many people are doing those New Year's resolutions. And Della, you're one. Whenever I think of people super organized, I think of yourself. And New Year's resolutions, same as goal setting as well. Sometimes they just fall. Many times New Year's resolutions fall by the time we, we, we don't even get out of January. Many people fail to do their New Year's resolutions. So Della... As someone who uh, planned their Christmas dinner meticulously, <laughs> um, uh, remind us of, of, of your, your planning that went into your Christmas dinner. Oh, I, I do it for Christmas dinner and, and any big entertaining I'm doing. I, I have a whiteboard in the kitchen and I, I start with the time that I want us to sit down and eat and, and work back from there to all the, the bits that need to be done, including putting the turkey in the oven. However, it doesn't always work out. We were just about ready to sit down to eat and I discovered the turkey needed another half hour. But that's fine because I had a plan. You just look at the whiteboard, you adjust all the times by 30 minutes. So I knew everything was there. And I actually keep a list on my phone as well, the shopping list for Christmas dinner, because one year I forgot cranberry sauce. (laughs) My favourite's when you sort of end up... I've, I've done this, I think I did this two years ago. The stuffing ended up in the back of the oven and everything else got taken out. We had a lovely Christmas dinner. And, Hold on, I, th- I thought we were missing something. And there was a poor old stuffing, stone cold at the back of the oven. So <laughs> stuffing sandwiches, That's boxing it. day. Bubbling squeak. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, certainly next year I'm going to be dreaming of a whiteboard Christmas. But other than that, Della, goal setting, uh, news resolutions, how can we actually make it work? Um... I think you need to accept that they are a direction of travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm all for setting goals really just so that you know where you're aiming for. I always had very ambitious budgets because I believe if you don't set the target, there's no way you're going to meet it and there's no point setting easy targets. So, yes, think about them, stretch them, but forgive yourself if you don't make them. So if you were having a dry January and you've already had that first glass of wine. It is self-assessment season, I'm sure, for many <laughs> Absolutely. People. Perhaps accountants should have a dry February. <laughs> but, you know, there's no reason you can't start again tomorrow mm-hmm. and, you know, start another 31 days from tomorrow. It's, it's nice to have January as a new start. For me, my year always started September because my, my life seems to revolve around the kids in the school year. We recently had an article on the site by Zoe Whitman who uh, uh, discussed this subject and she said perhaps just focus on just two or three goals rather than just 
having a, a big bullet point list of goals which you want to achieve? Is that something which you would recommend as well? Absolutely. I, I would have the goal, but then I would break it down into the little steps. Um, when I, I wrote my first book, I had that the goal was the book, but actually my, my target was just to write a chapter at a time. And the chapter, a couple of thousand words, doesn't seem half as anti- intimidating as writing a whole book. And then you get to the end and you sort of stick it all together and uh, then the publisher rips it apart, but that's another <laughs> matter. <laughs> but baby steps. It's similar to, as Zoe mentioned, rather than think uh, 12 months, why not think quarterly if, if for your practice goals or whatever they may be, because as you mentioned there, easily digestible as well and, and you can feel that sense of achievement when you hit that smaller goal after after that first quarter and then you can reevaluate what you want to do after that absolutely um li- little steps celebrate each one and don't beat yourself up if you don't make it just readjust the goal for the next quarter or whatever your time length is so I guess many people then, once self-assessment season is out of the way, this could be something next on your agenda. Think of that, those goals and think about some of the tips there. Um, another thing on the agenda, Tom, is the government's review of the IS85 private sector uh, rules moving into the private sector. So what, what's going on here then, Tom? Yeah, I do seem to find myself every podcast talking about IR35, but there we go. Um, yeah, so this, uh, yeah came a little bit out of the blue yesterday I, I guess I mean Sajid Javid did say on Moneybox sort of pre-election that uh, there would be a review of these new reforms to um, of payroll work, working for the private sector but uh, yeah as I say the, the, the press release came out yesterday um, from the government basically saying that they were going to have a full review of these proposed changes due to come in in April but it was yeah, there are a couple of points of concern that sector specialists have expressed around this. One, the review is due to conclude by mid-February, which, I mean, given the scope, given the complexity, it is. Uh, it seems a bit tight, to be honest. Um, and also, um, it's sort of couched in the language of this press release, is sort of saying that the, the review will address any concerns around implementation so it's not really the scope of the rules it's how they're going to be implemented as it were so I think a lot of people have, have sort of come out and like all the major bodies have called for reform uh, a 12-month delay sorry um well while, while they get these things in place and a lot of the contractor organizations um have been a lot more forthright so Julia Kermode from the FCSA for example has labelled the review meaningless, um, you know, so the government's just intent on bulldozing ahead with its plans um, and just sort of saying that, that that rather than learning from the public sector reforms in 2017, which, I mean, it, it, it depends who you talk to, you know, your definition of success from those HMRC have always claimed they are successful and, I mean, certainly in terms of the tax take, I would say they've been a, a roaring success. But, um, yeah, the... Um, I think uh, there appears to have been uh, a blanket um, approach from a lot of public sector organisations to adopting these rules. And I think given the reaction of big banks, for example, um, around their attitudes towards people with PSCs, then 
I think it, it seems that that's that's the way it's going as well. So yeah, interesting interesting times. Um, I guess it's just a sort of wait and see, really, for for mid February when the uh, when the sort of re- results of the review are announced. But uh, yeah, as I say, um, uh, sort of sector specialists not hopeful that will really result in any meaningful changes to the review. And also coming out uh, more news coming from the uh, the government this past week as well we have a date for the budget my goodness yeah so we've got an 11th of march budget so back to the old spring fiscal of fiscal events that didn't last long um old sajid javid's first budget so yeah lots lots going on a lot of pre-election promises to meet yeah what do what do we expect there was quite a few uh just skimming through the manifesto yesterday there seems like a, a few things there that we can expect but any 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 sort of predictions that we that we expect to come from this budget then rumors that the drop in corporation tax won't now be implemented so it will stay at 19 percent rather than dropping to 17 i'm not sure overall that'll be an issue because it's not something that um businesses were asking for initially yes we'll say you know it's always nice to have but i think that was a political initiative rather than a business one yeah um well, taxation side of things, the strong rumours around the demise of entrepreneurs' relief um, and, and and investors' relief. Um, it's a big clamour around business rates. Um, it's been well. quite a hot topic, hasn't it? Business rates. Um, so mm. Must be uh, an area there which they can certainly uh, get some some good good press, I guess. Yeah. If they do something there. Yeah, indeed. And then obviously, you know. The, the pro post Brexit landscape will be. I, I'll be interested to see if they uh, if they go near VAT. I, I think <laughs> a lot of um, uh, successive chancellors have been burned by tinkering with VAT, the classic sort of um, omni shambles uh, pasty tax issues. But uh, you know, it's it's very tempting when you look at that. Uh, you look at how much VAT brings into the uh, the Treasury's coffers. It uh, it must be tempting for the for the Chancellor to reach in, particularly with these um, these these locks that have been been announced. At the, you know raising um, raising the threshold for employees um, employees NICs and um, you know keep keeping income tax and um, national insurance the same. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Indeed. Well. That's everything done for us here today on the podcast. So we're going to be looking forward to uh, 11th of March to see everything what's going on with the budget. But that's not just that's not just the end of the uh, the podcast today. Unfortunately, this is the end of our co-host Tom Herbert's time on the No Account for Taste podcast as well. Um, so Tom, you've been here for uh, the duration of the No Account for Taste podcast. So what sort of story really jumps out at you over the last? few years your your main story which really you really reflect back on my goodness um i think i think i think there are there are a couple of highlights but uh yeah the the, the favorite the favorite i wrote really was the uh, the german tax authorities seizing someone's uh, pet pug <laughs> in, the, in lieu of tax payment stands out as just uh, the most the most ridiculous one um you know they covered a couple of continental ones actually the uh the, I wrote a story about the world's oldest woman potentially being a tax scam as well. That was uh, that was great fun. Um, but yeah, it's the the, the sort of um, the sort of nerdy recesses of um, taxation tend to um, tend to pull up the best stories sometimes, or at least the most um, the most engaging. So yeah, but as I say, thanks thanks ever so much for everyone to for for listening. I mean, when we started, we we started recording this a couple of years ago, just on my phone. 
um, and uh, just with a hunch that people would be interested and you know people have listened in their thousands and we're we're enormously grateful for everyone who who listens who comments who comes and finds us at, at, at trade shows and things so you know massive massive thanks and as i say i'm the, the, the show will continue in uh, in capable hands so, that's yeah. indeed yeah in a couple of weeks time you'll be saying tom who because uh, <laughs> the podcast continues we'll be back in uh Uh, next time with more exciting news from the world of accounting and until next time Della thanks for joining us Um, where can we find you on social I'm mainly on Twitter Della Hudson FCA also on LinkedIn and Facebook under the same name Thanks very much. And thanks very much, Tom, for joining us as ever. And for more information on the world of accounting, check out accountingweb.co.uk and you'll be able to find all your news there. So until next time, we'll see you again.